0: For some word. Yeah. If you have a Bible or a Bible application, then go to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 6. And if you're wondering, are we starting something new? No. <laughs> I'm just going to have you turn to my third scripture instead of my first two. <laughs> <laughs> I've been teaching a series that I'm not completed with, uh, finished with. Yeah, uh, called Honor Due. Amen. Has anybody been a part of the first several parts of this? Yeah. Come on. All right. Make sure I'm in the right house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, if you miss the other part, they're available to you for nothing. And uh, this will be the eighth part in the Honor, series, honor Do series. And uh, we, our text is this. I'll read it to you and put it on the screen. Uh, 1 Samuel 2.30. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So we make our lives significant. We make them weighty, we make them honorable by honoring God, right? And uh, we've found out that honoring God involves honoring everything he's involved with, everything he says and does, and, 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 and we've covered a lot of that. But I'm not gonna live an honored life, meaning God's honor on me, the glory of God on me, unless I learn to honor him in all that he does. And then uh, Romans thirteen seven. Reads render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So it's biblical, it's New Testament that believers uh, are to show honor to whom it's due. But the word due is important. That that it, it it's it's due. It's like taxes become due. Unfortunately, right. Honor also becomes due. So I say, well, I'm not into all that honor stuff. You better giddy up and get into it because you're way behind. You have an honor debt and you should get caught up in honoring God. And, uh, and, and the, the benefits, like we said, are, are, are great and tangible, very real. And, uh, we should all be interested in this. Praise God. And, and I trust it's working, uh, no. Uh, sometimes I wonder honestly, as I teach not only this subject, but other subjects, uh, I realize that today, in, uh, to, in our society today, maybe our church is an exception somewhat, but not completely, where people don't go to church very often. You know that. Raise your hand if that's you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, people say, oh, I love the Lord. I'm committed to the Lord. I do this and they go to church once a month or a couple times a month, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and I don't mean you're not saved. I, I just think that's a bad habit. And one of the reasons why I'm thinking about that, because the Lord put something in my heart to teach and to explain and to pour into people. And I know by the time we're done with a series, I have to move on to another subject. There's always this thought, though, is, was it enough? Did it land? Yeah. Not did, Not are people smart enough to understand it. I'm not questioning that. I mean, did it get on the inside yeah. to where it's digested, to where it's it's uh, had an effect upon your thinking, upon your words, your actions? Literally, your life has become, in this case, more honorable. Because yeah, if it hasn't, it doesn't matter what we understand. I mean, know that principle is is true. It's a scriptural principle. It doesn't matter what I know. It doesn't matter what I can quote. It matters what I live. Amen. It matters what is the driving force of my decisions in my life and how I treat people, how I treat the Lord, right? Yep. And if that is not altered, then I didn't, didn't get the job done. Hallelujah. Well, let's look to the Lord for further revelation today. Uh, Mark chapter 6, is a famous passage of Jesus going home, all right, going to his hometown, to Nazareth. In, in verse 1, it reads, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. So Jesus goes home. How many know it's always a special occasion when you're going back to the hometown? Jesus knows many of these people grew up there, and he's going there now in a, in a different phase of his life. He's not just working a, a physical job anymore. He's answering the call. He's ministering the Word of God. And they, they, you know, they're they shocked and perplexed and astonished at this man uh, at these mighty works which were done. Now, obviously, they didn't see those mighty works there, as we'll read on a little bit. So he must have been teaching about them. He must have, He's speaking in the synagogue, and as he's explaining the principles of the kingdom of God, it seems apparent to me he's probably giving uh, testimony of the things that are happening. Right? Isn't that the, that's the way we do things as well. You share a principle, you share a kingdom law, and then you give testimonies of how it's worked in your own life or someone else's life to, you know, kind of put flesh on it. And how many know what happens then is is faith comes right? People hear, what? That person got healed. This person got set free. This person got a prayer answered. This, the God worked in their life. How did they do that? And they attach the principles and the real life story to their own life, and then they make a connection. Amen. So, Jesus is endeavoring to do that. That's His habit. That's His pattern. He was very effective in ministry, He would go from place to place and faith would come and people would believe and miracles would happen and great things were the result of what he was doing. So he goes home, he says, here we go, let's go do this. Let's do this like we always do. And he breaks out the word and preaches the word and tells them about the anointing and the spirit of God and gives testimony of mighty signs and wonders. And people are staring at him the whole time going, who does he think he is? What is this? I don't believe this. I don't know about this. And uh, uh, anyone who's ever been a preacher has maybe preached to that crowd before uh, <laughs> where you're thinking, I've got the word of the Lord. I'm fired up bringing the goods and people are there going, huh, yeah, I don't know about this. And, uh, but, but how did they know him? We see that they knew him as the carpenter. And uh, when it came to doing that kind of work, no one would have been offended. If Jesus came in here saying, anybody needs some carpentry done? Uh, I'm back. And uh, I've still got skills. People would have said, oh, yeah, yeah, I need this built. And I, I'm working on a new home over here. And, and, uh, and Jesus is here. Yay. They all would have been happy with him. Yeah. Right. But how many know people being happy with you for the, you know, for something you're not supposed to be doing? It's not good. I mean, you can make people happy in your life because you know what they want from you, what they expect of you. And you can just live according to their expectations and their desires. And you think, well, that's the most important thing, right? As long as we all get to get along, as long as we all have peace, as long as everyone's happy with me, then I'm happy. No, that's not the highest goal. Jesus could have come in there doing carpentry and everyone would have been pleased. No one would have been bothered by him at all. But that wasn't what he was supposed to do. And sometimes we have to risk that, don't we? We have to risk going in doing what everyone's going to love versus what God has told us to do and living that life, fulfilling our destiny. And so, again, they knew him. They knew his family. Makes mention of here of Mary, his four brothers, uh, his at least two sisters, and doesn't mention Joseph. Uh, And by the way, how many know Mary and Joseph had kids after Jesus Jesus was born of a virgin, but then there was other kids. I know there's people that want to make Mary the, per, the eternal virgin. Uh, but that's not a good wife. Right? And it wasn't how she lived. They had a number of kids. And, and uh, anyway, Joseph isn't mentioned here. It's very, Joseph just kind of disappears in, in, the, in the scriptures, uh, we don't really know what, where he went. Very likely he passed away. You know, Mary was probably in the range of 45 at this point, And uh, often husbands were much older than their wives in, in those days is what I read anyway. And so it just, does, it just skips him. So it's likely he's maybe already died. Good chance. Uh, but anyway, uh, they knew his family. And um, how many know when they took offense at him? He's telling these stories. They're offended at, 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 at Jesus. How many know uh, being offended and being in faith are not the same? Faith and offense do not mix. Whenever we find ourselves being offended, we can be certain we're not about to encounter God. We're not going higher in God. We're not seeing things more clearly than everybody else. No, when we're, when we're offended at something, we've departed from God. We've departed from his work. We've departed from what he wants to do, and we become a severe limitation on what he intends to do from that point forward. And so uh, one of the reasons that you can see that, that they did this, why, why did they become offended? Because um, uh, they did not see the gift of God as a gift of God. I mean whenever we whenever we treat the gift of God from a mere human perspective we at that same time cause it to cease from functioning on our behalf I don't know if I said that in a good way if the gift of God is not viewed as the gift of God but rather just seen through a, as a human vessel we we see people again as we know Jesus he grew up here we know his skills They just see it that way. That gift ceases to function. Okay. The things of God must be treated as of God. That's kind of this whole series is about this. I recognize what's holy. I recognize what's of God. I recognize what's of God, even if it's in a a person full of their, you know, various quirks and and behaviors and so forth. I still can see the gift of God there. It's necessary. It's required. um, It's required learning. To see this, otherwise the gift of God gets shut down. Um, Jesus, I mean, this is his second time coming home. I don't know if you remember the first time it went, it was even worse. First time he went there right after his, you know, baptism and then subsequent temptation. He went in the ministry and went home and opened up the book and said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And they tried to throw him off a cliff remember that story and uh, and so he escaped with his life on that situation but in, in that situation but this is common especially when it deals with family all right family sometimes doesn't they, they don't often see the gift of god in each other because they know each other so well naturally they know all their little habits and their little things and 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 uh, you know, remember, David had this trouble. King David, he went to the battle. Remember the, before he uh, fought Goliath? And his brothers were harassing him. Who is this? David coming down here, showboating and wanting stuff. And, and, uh, and you can read about that in 1 Samuel 17. But his brothers didn't see him as anything special. He's, just, he's back home taking care of the sheep while we do the real men's work. This punk kid comes over here. Yeah, David was out there tending his sheep, being faithful to God and operating in the power of God, defending those sheep against the lion and the bear and, and learning his covenant with God, right? But they weren't able to see that. And this is something we could all be challenged with in not being able to see the spiritual attributes and, and impact of God upon another person's life. In the fourth verse then, Uh, it, It reads, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And so Jesus said this, and it wasn't due, they didn't disrespect him due to you know him being immoral or unkind or lacking in diligence or anything. He didn't have a bad reputation from uh, of any of anything like that. He was simply the carpenter, so that was his business. If anyone knew him, they knew he's the man to go to for this kind of work because he knows that skill well. He's not just a carpenter; he's the carpenter, right? And uh, he was known for that skill. But Jesus stated, this is a common problem. A common problem is the prophet is without honor when he gets around his own people, his own family, those who know him from the natural side. He's not saying the people who are fake prophets, they get dishonored. Those who are trying to be a prophet but aren't the real deal, they get dishonored. No, he's saying the real deal prophet called and anointed by God himself, sent with the word of the Lord, that person will be accepted by many people except when when they go home, except when they get around their own people. Why is that? You would think, how cool is this? Prophet so-and-so is here. We've known him since he was two years old. And now, it, now he's ministering here. But we have a tendency to do the opposite. Right? I knew that snot-nosed kid when he was... I saw that kid when he stuck his hand in the candy jar. I knew that kid... When, and the temptation is to set aside the gift of God because of a natural knowing. And listen, sometimes we're tempted to do this to elevate naturally knowing people above connecting with the gift of God. We think, I know this person on a personal level. We are friends. Okay, that's fine. Friendships are valuable and important, but that's not more valuable than the gift of God. That was, I mean, God ordained that a gift would work in your life. I mean, in one sense, we all need friends and we all desire that and that's a God thing. But in one sense, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a gift of God that is going to help you in your time of need, that's gonna bring the word of the Lord, that's gonna be able to pray the prayer of faith or someone who'll be your buddy? I don't mean we don't need both. I mean, we do need both. It's just which one do you need in what situation? A friend of mine in in another state, a minister uh, many years ago he, you know he's a traveling minister, but he started attending this certain church and uh, and and the pastor they knew each other on a personal level, but he would always refer to him uh, and this is not even planned so i, I don't like this. I don't like to tell pastor stories when I am one, but whatever <laughs> It comes up in me, so I tell stories as, they, as the Lord brings them to me. But uh, uh, he, he, the pastor said, told him, pastor's name was Sam, I believe. Uh, he said he would tell him, call me Sam, because he would call him pastor. Uh, he said, no, just call me Sam. And he would say, no, I don't want to. Yeah, well, just, you know, they were contemporaries in one sense. They're both ministers. It's not, so they had similar experience and so forth. And, and he said, no, just call me Sam. He said, listen, there are, he told, he said, there are a lot of people that I can be friends with. And a lot of people that I will do that with. And if I wasn't in your church and if I wasn't, you know, coming under you, I would be glad to do that. But I need a pastor. He said, so I'm not going to do that to you. Come on. In other words, it's not just about the legalities of it. Don't get me wrong here. It's about the the mentality. He said, I don't want to put you in that slot because I need you to be in this slot for me. Because he obviously recognized he was a gift of God and he needed one of those in his life. Even though he was a gift of God himself. His ministry was was effective. Does that make sense? And so, uh, again, this is one of the problems Jesus had. is people, they would know him. They knew him after the flesh. And when we know people after the flesh, that's when we have to double down on, our, on watching the honor thing. Okay? I don't mean it's not possible. I mean, Jesus spent much time with his disciples, and 11 of them kept respect for him. One of them didn't. Right? So they had very close, they were friends, as well as ministry partners, as well as Jesus being Lord. So these multiple things were going on there. But Jesus did teach them. You might remember this from another passage where Jesus taught uh, that if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. In other words, receiving a prophet had to be done in the name of the prophet. In other words, the gift of God was paramount. It had to be supreme. They had to be mindful of that. Otherwise, the prophet's reward would not come to them. In other words, they wouldn't be able to prophesy to him wouldn't be able to use that gift if, they were, if he received the prophet in the name of the carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> you might get the carpenter's reward, if anything. But since he's not carpentering anymore, they get no reward. Come on. Everybody with me? Yeah, yeah. And so th- th- these things are, are important. It's not just outward, it's inward. Maybe you've heard the old uh, saying, familiarity breeds contempt. contempt. And this is something we all have to watch out for. All right, he goes on to say... In verse 5 of the Scripture, went on to say, Now He, He is Jesus, could do no mighty work there. How many know could and and would are different? He could do no mighty work there, except He laid His hands on a few sick people and healed them. And the Greek means minor ailments there. No mighty works, just a few minor, minor sicknesses. And He healed them. And He marveled. At their unbelief. And he went about all and he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. how uh, I many of this reveals that that mighty works are not all up to God? Because Jesus went there with the express intent to do this. He's doing mighty works everywhere else. Now let's go to Nazareth, guys. Let's go to Nazareth. Come on, let's tear the place up. Come on, let's get the blind eyes open and the deaf ears open and we'll have this, we'll set this place on fire. And I know these people, I would imagine there's a certain degree of excitement to see the people he knew and grew up with to receive salvation, to receive the kingdom of God and to be blessed and helped and healed. And he goes in there preaching the word and telling stories and, and doing the things that he does everywhere. And they're all giving him that look. And some of them are ticked off and they're offended at him. And what did it do? It shut him down. In other words, God wanted to do it, but God couldn't do it. So he himself was incapable of doing these things. Uh, and, and, and this doesn't speak to his will. Again, it speaks to his ability. You might even recall Psalm seventy-eight forty-one uh, reads, Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So this is a, 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 there's a scriptural precedent for this, how people shut God down. Yeah. So you can't shut God down. God is God, and he's going to do whatever he wants to do. That's not biblical to think that way. Wow. Just the opposite is correct. You have the ability to shut God down. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, not from everybody. You're not going to shut down his ultimate plan, but when it comes to your life. Yeah. Come on now. We have the ability. Usans, all y'all. Us. We have the ability to shut God down in this house. It's not His will. It's not what He wants. But we have the ability. We. We, we have the ability right here to limit God to minor healings. My, or Unmighty works. I say we don't do it. I say we recognize this principle and say, okay, I, I see how this works. I'm not going to let that happen. If the mighty works were all up to Jesus... Certainly that would be the place where he would do them. I mean, wouldn't you put yourself in his shoes? This is Jesus who left his hometown. Great stories are being told about what he's doing. He comes back home. There's the boys he graduated high school with. There's his friends growing up. There's his family. And Jesus is back in town and he's got a little entourage. (laughs) right? He's coming into town. What would you want to do there if you were him? I'd line up the blind people. I'd find everyone who's crippled. And uh, let's, get all, let's do all the big ones first and let them know. God is, God is among us. God is visiting you and he's using me. This is my call. I'd want to do that at home. Wouldn't Jesus? Absolutely. But he wasn't able to do that because they took offense at him. You know, other times when Jesus ministered, you might recall if you've read the Gospels, there were times when he would have to take people away from the unbelievers. Yeah. There'd be a group of people moaning, uh, you know, mourning and so forth, someone's death. And he'd say, get them all out of here. Get all of them out of here. And then the miracle would happen yeah. right. with the raising from the dead. Another time, the blind guy. And he took the blind guy and let him out of town. Let's take this guy out of town before we pray. Say, so wouldn't it be better just to do it in front of everyone? That way everyone can see this is real. God is real. This guy got healed right before our eyes. Jesus knew it wasn't going to work if he stayed in front of everybody. In, in some crowds, in some situations, you can't get the job done. You've got to get away from the unbelief. I mean, oh, that's true on a personal level. If you're surrounded, if you need a serious miracle, an answer from God in your life, yet everyone in your home is, is full of unbelief and questioning and all this stuff, you need to get away. i do not talking about, you know, removing yourself permanently from all these relationships, but you got to surround yourself with people of faith. Yeah, man, come on. Find a good life group, find some friends, find some faith friends, get in church. You've got to get that wrong thinking out because that's where the healing manifests. See, if we don't see this principle, we think, well, I don't don't get that. I think God can just do it. He can just do it wherever He wants. Well, then we have to ignore these scriptures. Hallelujah. And so if if, let me just say this in in a different way. Being offended and thus showing no honor leads straight to unbelief. Remember, Jesus went through all that, and He looked at them and said, Wow. You guys are amazing. He marveled at their what? At their unbelief. They dishonored him. They were offended at him. They didn't believe. And nothing would happen. And so, uh, again, being offended, thus showing no honor, leads to unbelief. This results in no power being manifest. If you want God's power, you must believe. If you are to believe you must show honor. If you are to show honor, you must not be offended. To not be offended, you must see people according to the gift and calling of God and not their own flesh. Amen. 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 This could happen, uh, if this could happen to them, I think it can happen to us. Um, Whenever we are too naturally minded, we hinder the work of God uh, through people and, and that's what we must be aware of. This happened with them. It really stopped people from being healed. you got to consider the potential. Some people's lives were shortened as a result of this, this event today, or it wasn't extended. Some people remained in their horrible conditions. So well, why, why did God do that to them? No, the Lord tried to get to them. But their honor hindered him. Amen. Moses had this trouble. If you know the story of Moses, Moses had his brother Aaron and sister Miriam. They had trouble seeing him as more than brother sometimes. And when they, when they, when they confronted him about his, his wife, because he married the Ethiopian woman, they confronted him and they say, eh, 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 eh. You shouldn't have done this. And they didn't realize who they were talking to. They thought they were talking to their brother. And you talking to your brother or sister, you could probably get away with a lot. Because brother and sister, you know, we're the same. Isn't that right? Brother and sister seeks, speaks to equality. Speaks to we're in the same family. We're not talking about parents. are talking about siblings. We're all siblings. And Miriam and Aaron started talking to Moses like they're his brother. The problem was he was not functioning as brother Moses. He was functioning as leader, prophet, man of God, leading the people of Israel. And when he, when he married the woman and they started complaining about it, they had to deal with God next. Aaron and Miriam. You can read about that story in the book of Numbers chapter 12. Uh, but they had to deal with God. God was not pleased with how they were treating Moses, how they just saw him naturally. It was a big problem. The Lord said, you can't, this is not going to fly. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to treat the one I called even if it was your brother. I still called him. And you better show him respect. Or this is not going to fly. Amen. So this attitude, this mentality could get in any of us. And I suspect it does. Unless we, Keep a watch on it. okay? We have an opportunity here uh, whenever, uh, whenever we have, you know, guest ministers in to really uh, set the stage for God to work. How do we do that? By showing honor. Right. Yeah. Honor to who? Well, it's, to the, it's, it start, it's with the gift, but the gift is in a person. It's, it's honoring the, the, the gift of God. And it sets the stage for God to work. When someone doesn't do that, when they dishonor, disrespect, or remember, make light of, blow off, treat it as unimportant. All we're doing is limiting the power of God that works towards us. Yeah. I, I, was, I was talking to um, uh, Brother Frank, Frank Borda. You know, he's done uh, ministry around, around the world in different countries. And I asked him about this principle because of his his vast travels, I said, what have you seen? What have you noticed and experienced in regards to people uh, showing honor and the subsequent results that happen when they do or don't? And he, and he was immediate to say, oh, well, it's very real. <laughs> it's very obvious, very real. And, and as we're talking, he's thinking about different experiences and, and one of them, he was talking about these pastor's conferences that he's done in, in a particular country. And he said, yeah, you see, he said, one of the things I, I, I can make note of in that situation is many of these pastors would come, sometimes their way is being paid and there's free meals and all this stuff associated with the conference. He said many of them would come and it, they didn't really have much honor. He said they'd roll in late and leave early. They come in and get them meals and stuff, but they just didn't hold in high regard. And he said, one of the things I noticed is when some of these people would leave, then the power of God would manifest. I thought, isn't that interesting? Do they even know that they missed their appointment with God? They're just, they district, they just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And they roll in late and leave early. And, and they just don't have high regard for the ministry and high regard for the things that God is doing and the ministry gifts that are there. And when they leave, it, so, it sounded so New Testament to me. It sounded like Jesus taking people out of town or putting people out of the room or his own home, hometown being shut down. I thought, yeah, that's how it works. Then I thought, oh, no, do we ever do that? Have I ever done that? Have I ever disregarded? And God had an intention, a divine appointment for me to intersect his power and grace and receive from heaven and receive things that I've been wanting from him. But, but maybe I disregarded or disrespected in some way and I blocked it. And I went away not even knowing that I did it. We've got to find that these principles in the scripture uh, have a real you know, outworking in our lives. Otherwise, why do we even study them? Isn't that a great story? Those people of Nazareth, I'm going to let them have it when I see them in heaven. (laughs) If they made it. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's always easy to answer some of these questions. Yeah, I know some people who need to hear this. Man, they didn't come today. I'm gonna share, I'm gonna tag them in the, in the in the online version of this. Okay, do all that if you need to, but let's not miss our own hearts. Good. Our goal is for all of us to step it up in our own honor to God so He can honor us. You know, uh, Jesus cured this unbelief problem by teaching. That was the last verse we read. He went about in a circuit in all the villages teaching. His response is, wow, your your unbelief, it's amazing. I marvel at your unbelief. It's horrible, you know? Fantastically horrible. Shutting down the power of God. So what did he do? Did he stomp out of there? No, he said, I'm going to go teach these people. I'm going to teach them. And that's why we do it. That's why I teach. That's why others teach the Scripture. Because teaching drives out unbelief. Teaching drives out the the unbelief that so plagues people and keeps the power of God from flowing into their lives. And so a lack of honor blocks the mighty works. I believe it is worth our efforts, every effort to get this right. Yes. Everybody say it out loud. Say, Lord, Lord teach, me teach me about, honor, about honor, how honor, how to show honor, how to see people, how to see you, not after the flesh, after the flesh but, after the spirit, but after the spirit, in accordance with your calling, with your calling and your gifting. And your gift. May your power, flow through them them. towards me me. and through me me. towards them. them. I honor you you. in all that you do. do. Your choice choice. matters matters to me. Amen. Praise God.